0: Rolling. Welcome to another episode of Steve's Speed Shop, brought to you by Warranty Wise. Is your car out of warranty? Is it about to fall out of warranty? Well, that could be a worry, couldn't it? But worry no more. Instead... Get yourself to warrantywise.co.uk and they will give you a quote for a shiny new warranty. An unbeatable quote today. We're also brought to you by Mini Sports. They have been specialising in the classic, iconic Isigornis Design Mini, the symbol of the swinging 60s, since 1967. Yeah, they were swinging in minis in the 60s, I think. We're also brought to you by West Coast Motorcycles. They specialise in late model, pre-enjoyed Harley-Davidson motorcycles, lots of them. Find them on Facebook at West Coast Motorcycles. Now, just the other day, I was at, with thousands of other people, the NEC Classic Show. It's the big indoor classic car show here in the UK. Hundreds, thousands of cars, but one in particular caught my eye. And the funny thing is, it was built by a guy with a reputation for building world-class custom bikes, Larry Horton from Lamb Engineering. Find out what kind of car a custom bike builder creates later. But first, just the other day, I popped down uh, not far, just sort of thirty miles from here, in the Cheshire countryside, to Orkmere to talk British sports cars with Jonathan Jarrett. So we're at Orkmere, and the other week I was at Crazy Horse in uh, the Cotswolds, which is my favourite motorcycle dealership uh, in the UK. They have Norton, they have Patton, they have Arch, the Keanu Reeves Superbike, £90,000 Superbike, they have Fantic, they have Envy Augusta, they have Indian. At risk of embarrassing uh, Jonathan here, who's a friend of mine, this is my favourite car dealership. They've got Caterham, they've got Lotus... And they've got Morgan, three fine British marks.
1: Yeah, I think I think we're uh, we're very lucky, Steve, in that uh, sort of the Holy Trinity for for us, three uh, three British sports car marks who are still going, and not just going, but in fact going from strength to strength at the moment. New models coming out from all of them, um,
0: and I think a really bright future uh, for all three brands. Well, that's what I was talking about when I was at Crazy Horse because those marks. 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago, you'd think they were dead and buried. Indian? Envy Augusta? (laughs) Fantic? No. They'd gone. And it's not that long ago that the likes of Lotus and Morgan were struggling and Caterham were... Well, the cars now are amazing. Let's talk about the cars. Yeah. Uh, Three cars, really, have caught my attention. First, the Morgan, the Plus Six, the first new car, the first all new car from Morgan um, in 20 years. It's a, a, I can't, I can't say what a big step change it is for Morgan,
1: the uh, the the new Plus Six. Um, it's phenomenal. It really, it's, <laughs> it's the first Morgan. I must say that I've really jumped in and immediately felt straight at home, and it feels like a proper thoroughbred sports car. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the older design or the classic design of Morgan. There's very much a space for them, and I hope that continues. But realistically, that plus six, from the outside, people look at it and go, oh, it's a Morgan. And then you get in it, and it it drives like somebody's set it on
0: fire. It is phenomenal. 335 brake horsepower from a turbocharged BMW straight-six engine. 335 brake horsepower,
1: allegedly, um, ah. We uh, we dynoed ours and it was actually a little bit more than that, really? substantially more by about fifty brake horsepower.
0: Well, can you turn up the wick <laughs> on
1: the turbo? Is that is that? I think uh, I th- there, there are ways of doing it. It's not really t- uh, turn the turbo up as such, but certainly, clearly, it's a very very tunable engine that BMW engine. It's the same. It's the same running gear that's in the new um, in the new Toyota Supra, um, and I know certainly one or two of those that are already running at sort of six hundred brake horsepower. So
0: yeah, but the Supra traditionally, is a car that will will take three, four times the amount of horsepower supplied by the manufacturer and just keep going, unlike a a hand-built British sports car. Jonathan, these are real sports cars. I have a bit of a problem today with people calling Mercedes and Porsche and Aston Martin cars sports cars. I think of a sports car as... A Morgan or a Caterham, a car, where the top comes off, and it's a bit draughty, and it's traditional, and it looks as though there's a set of golf clubs in the boot, and you might be off to uh, you might be off to do a bit of a, a twisty sprint or something like that. A car which could be driven to work during the week and used in some sort of some form of motorsport at the weekend, a
1: sports car. I think if uh, dare we go uh, as far as to say, seat of the pants driving still. And I think, um, for me, I look. I'm absolutely with you. Nobody can knock the quality and the engineering nowadays of the of the latest Porsches uh, and the Mercedes and, and what have you. The phenomenal. phenomenal, absolutely, but, but they're, they're not, almost too phenomenal. They're not sports cars. <laughs> they, I think they've lost a certain amount of that. I uh, say, seat of the pants driving, the feeling that you get in the car and you are absolutely connected to it. I'm not going to tell you that our some of our sports cars, even as a new car, might have a little rattle or a squeak here because they are hand-built, thoroughbred British sports cars. But that's what makes them come alive, the fact that you actually have to be...
0: You're not just involved in the drive of that car, you are the driver of that car. Well, are you? Because, I mean, you've got the three-wheeler downstairs, the one with the... Uh, S&S engine
1: The it? S&S, yeah. the
0: American-made V-twin engine... Um, Just like the Jap or the matchless 1,000cc V-Twin that used to be in a Morgan pre-war. Yeah. um, The Heritage. I mean, people talk about continuation cars, whether it's a a Jaguar or an Aston Martin. That three-wheeler Morgan (laughs) down there in the showroom, that brand new, unregistered three-wheeler Morgan is the very definition of of a continuation car. Absolutely it is. And again... Um,
1: the car was uh, the, the first three wheeler um, if you like, the recreation came out in two thousand and eleven and since then it has it's evolved but fundamentally it it, it still holds so true to those original three wheelers Mrs. Put, Berry loves that car it, well, so she should Mrs. Berry should have one of those cars i know I know where you can buy one. <laughs> Obvious, very reasonable. Too. You've got to be the biggest, the biggest
0: Morgan dealer in the world now. Charles. Well,
1: I think certainly. I mean, there are a number of importers um, and exporters, of course, around the world who might have a, a big area. I think as a, as a single dealership now in the UK, but certainly in the UK, we sell more Morgans, more new Morgans in the UK than any other dealership. And I would say we are probably close, as I say, as a single dealership, as as, as selling probably some. One of, the, one, one of the dealers to sell the most in the world. Yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair
0: point. And something, you know, we're very passionate about them. Yeah, but Johnny, that was always the pub fact, wasn't it? That, that people who had an interest in cars, but perhaps not the same level of interest that chaps like us have. Yeah. Obsession. Um, yeah, obsession's a good word. Ridiculous, bankrupting <laughs> obsession. Um, they would tell you in a pub... Oh, yeah, the Morgan. Oh, there's a six-year waiting list for them, and if they don't like you, they won't sell you a car. That was the thing that people... Because they're made by hand, you see, by, by the grandsons of Absolutely. the... Uh, well, they still it's, are. It still remains true to today. Yeah, but is there that crazy waiting list that everyone used to oh, tell you about? In there, there isn't, to be fair. I mean, at,
1: at one time, like like everybody, Morgan as a company has had to, has had to grow up, has had to streamline... And improve their processes for building the the, the cars, um, and there are some the, the, there are some r- real um, improvements in the way that the cars are built, which do save them a lot of time. So no, you can realistically um, you're not necessarily if you want to, exactly to your spec, it's not going to be tomorrow. But it's realistic to think that most most new Morgans you could have within certainly within a, a nine to twelve months if you were to order one tomorrow. I mean, what has always worked quite well for us as a dealership is we hold. a lot of brand new uh, brand new stock immediately because there are people who i'm one of them to be fair who don't really want to wait so if you come in, you can actually buy one straight away but also what works very well for us is that those people who are prepared to wait but don't know what colors or specs or what have you they've got the ability that they come in and see a lot of cars together here so we'll have lots of different colors lots of different wheels so they can say well i want that color but that roof with those wheels and you know those grown bits on there so you know it's it it is good because they are so, so personal. There's no, I don't think we've ever spacked two Morgans exactly the same. And we've spacked a lot of Morgans,
0: you know, somewhere between 30 and 40 a year. So it's got an aluminium box section tub, the plus six, twice as stiff as the underpinnings of the Aero, which yep. is the previous sort of That's hot right. Morgan that people would know about and would have seen. Um, the 335 or plus. Is plus, that why it says plus, plus? Plus, plus? Yeah, I think it might be. <laughs> <laughs> Turbocharged BMW six cylinder engine, Twin scroll turbo. That's it, yeah. But it's an automatic, Johnny. What's going on? <laughs> it's a eight speed automatic, but it's an automatic. I think, I think realistically,
1: um, and again, you, you're not always we're not we, we accept with it being auto only that some of the purists may well frown at it. Well, I um, do, <laughs> but you haven't driven it yet. And all I would say is, once you have driven it, the, the it. It, it mates to that gearbox. So well, the, the, that gearbox, that engine, works so well within the car. Um, look, personally, I'm, I'm with you, and I love a manual gearbox. But, well, all, or, but all I would say is, what's this space? I mean, I'm sure Morgan, Morgan do listen. And in the future, who's to say whether or not it will be that exact car? But I'm sure I would like to think the manuals will always form part of the Morgan range. That said, the Plus 6 is very much designed, as Morgan are concerned, for people who want to travel the whole of Europe, mm. And they want to, um, you know, you know, they want to be able to do so soak up the long the long journeys. The sports mode in it is fabulous with the paddle shift and, and what have you. I'm not swearing at you when I say paddle shift. Don't pull that face <laughs> at me. It is actually, it is actually really good. Well, I'm not um, come back and drive it. You must do. You must do. Maybe when it's not um, uh, precipitating down. Eh? Hey, I want to motorbike today. <laughs> You're a nutter. All-weather wearing Well, I was watching, list. looking out of my uh, my fairly stunning view out of my. Uh, my office window, and I'm thinking, what, what's uh what's Barry going to show up in? And I saw a few uh, a few dodgy old cars go past. I thought, this no, that's not him. And then and then his motorbike comes. It's chucking down with rain, and some lunatic <laughs> on the motorbike. And went said, <laughs> said to is. one of my co- colleagues, uh, "Steve's here <laughs> So yeah, hats off to you. You're a nutter. Crash hats off. <laughs> there's
0: uh, there's a lot of Lotus cars down there. Yeah. And of course, you here at Orkmere have a very long tradition. Um, absolutely with yeah. Lotus and the one that, that over 40 years, 1978 we start we started
1: um, wow. effectively selling Lotus parts so we do go back a long long way with them well there were two
0: cars that caught my eye there's a very <laughs> early esprit <laughs> yeah a rather scruffy very early esprit which which presumably is lined up for some sort of service and it's it's there aren't too many marks where you could bring a car of that age back to the dealer and that car could well have been sold out of this Absolutely dealership in the mid 70s when yep. it was new yep. and bring it back for some sort of service I think or, or I service. think we are
1: uh, we're uh, we are very lucky I mean a lot of the staff here you made the, the made the point yourself that you've known us for a number of years and uh, there never seems to be any staff rotation here, which is great, um, but we've got people who've been with us since the 1970s. Um, the majority of the senior staff in both sales and after sales have been here for plus 30 years. This so is- that's great. You know, they, uh, they, they have equal passion for the brand new Lotuses that come out, and whether it be a 1960s Alana or a 1970s Esprit, uh, we still have the same,
0: the same love for them. Well, let's talk about that, Elan, because... <laughs> the, You're not having it, it's sold. <laughs> <laughs> you put a picture of it up on social media. Because generally, you deal in new cars, new Caterhams, new Morgans, new Lotus motor cars, But you put a picture up, is it a 64, did you say? Yeah. So yeah. it's a it's, a, it's a 1600. There's, well, Elan's go 1500, 1600, Series 2, 3, 4 Sprint. So it's a 64... So it's an early car, isn't it? The expert, of
1: course, for this car is actually Steve Jevons, who is our (laughs) sales manager, who has been here, wait for this, since 1982, I think. Um, He was selling those cars, you know, when they were a few years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, he was selling them from, from the showroom. He has nut and bolt restored that car himself in his own time, not in business hours, not for the business, but done it himself because he's got the sheer love of it. He's actually done four of them, so he's a nutter. Not only does he work here every day of the week and most weekends, he then goes home in the evening and spends, spends all, his, all his hours mucking about with lotuses again. It's crazy. So either he really loves them or he really doesn't like his wife. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, to be fair, if you have anybody looking for one of those, uh, those lands, um, he's now, he's, I think he's done four of them now, and all of them have been to
0: that standard. They're like a new car. It's funny, isn't it? We both... All three of us, not both, but all three of us, said, um, you're driving a land, it's the same vintage as me, 1964, unlike me. the hell, I do not think you were that young. Surprisingly <laughs> modern. I was having to go at myself there. <laughs> you, you interrupted to have even more ago, but because of a go, but because of how modern it was at the time and how advanced it was, independent suspension all round, disc brakes all round, and an amazing power-to-weight ratio... Not only does it look great, it's it more than keeps up with modern. Traffic. It feels
1: fresh to drive. You forget. I mean, we don't see. We don't, obviously don't get that many of them in. If we do get them in, we will sell them. I mean, we've sold within the last six weeks. We've actually sold three Elans. Wow! So you not, know, we do, not the front no,
0: wheel drive. Uh, no, no,
1: God, no, no, <laughs> uh, no, not, not not those ones. Um, the, um, the we've sold three of the original Elans, and honestly, some of them have been in a very usable condition. Not concourse condition by any means, but usable daily drivers. Obviously, that one that we've got down there at the moment is something very, very different. Nut and bolt restoration, absolute. You couldn't, if you were to do that as a business, I always joke with Steve, he should go into it. You know, give me a break from him. Um, but if he were to do that, you couldn't actually ever factor in the amount of hours that you'd spend on that. To actually, I mean, we've just sold that car for fifty. Realistically, thousand um, of your English pounds. Th- thousand of your English pounds. Realistically, if you were to actually factor in and cost the hours that go into actually doing the work, he does. You know, that's that, that's where all well, the time and the, the, the effort and the love goes, is to fettling around in a cold garage with you know with a, a spanner trying to unseize rusty rusty bolts and what have you. I mean, we what we tend to do with the restorations, um, any that we get involved in, we will do all the paintwork on them and the trim work and and what have you, but. Uh, very fortunate that Steve's probably the, the most gifted uh, gifted sort of a land technician I know. So it's great that that he's involved in that. I must tell you one day I will tell you the story. It's another story this for another day. I get Steve to talk to you about it. But we actually back in the day um, created
0: our own Christopher Neal special, which was an Elan Plus Two drophead. Yeah, because we must um, say if you if you don't know the name Oakmere in relation to Lotus. You'd know the name Christopher Neal, um, which was the um, absolutely original dealership. That that, was that's here. right,
1: and, and to be fair, we still are Christopher Neal. It's uh, it's it's difficult because we have volume franchises as well, um, and it was difficult marketing with two names. So if I sign a check to you, it's still actually Christopher Neal. The account is still Christopher Neal. The trading name is still Christopher Neal. We trade us
0: out, mate. But you could sign a check to me if you like. Yeah, you, I'm not, <laughs> you think I'm paying you for this? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you. Uh, Something of a difficult question now, and it is quite contentious in this world. Was an Elan ever as nice as that one? I don't think it was. I don't think Lotus made them to that standard. It's just, have we come to expect that? Is because because we can achieve that standard of finish on the bodywork, on the wheels, on the bright work, on the upholstery? Should we? (laughs) It is. I
1: guess it is a difficult one. That I think. You, you are dead right. The expectation of people now, even looking at a classic car, is they want new car shut lines, they want new car. I've, now, have I ever seen in a land that the doors fit as well as they fit in that one? No, I haven't, because normally they sit proud on one side or the the gap's not quite right. Um, but I guess, like anything, when you're building them in a reasonable number, you've got to get them built and get them out. The beauty with something like that, that somebody's spending, they're doing it out of to be fair, out of love more than anything, is he can afford to? you can afford to get it absolutely 100%. But you're dead right. They weren't ever quite as good as that when they came out of the factory. Uh, you know, that's hats off to the quality of the build. But yeah, yeah I think we are We, we are all a lot, more, uh, a lot more demanding in relation to our expectations with the cars.
0: And I guess, rightly so, because there is so much choice now. Speaking of having a lot of choice... Let's talk about the rooms Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what's what's that device that you've got in the oh, corner of the showroom? It's an That's... evil device for
1: anybody who, uh, if if you, do, if you don't want to spend money, don't come and play with it. So we've got a uh, we've got a new. Uh, it's called the cattroom configurator, and it effectively enables you in incredible, high, incredibly high resolution to create the cattroom of your dreams in our showroom.
0: So you step into a kind of. It's almost what, like a virtual world, really. A virtual world of catering. Oh, just brilliant. <laughs> and you can, in the blink of an eye, see your car with whatever wheels. Absolutely. W- in whatever colour. With whatever stripes. And the stripes can be a
1: different colour to the car. And then the pinstripes on the stripes can be a different colour to the stripes on the car. And then the lettering in the stripes, within the pinstripes, can be a different colour. You can go on forever. Realistically, we have... Um, We've wasted far too many hours when it's been quiet, speccing the ideal car. And it's so good. And I think the, the mark for us is if we've ordered a car for stock now, the imagery that comes off this new configurator system, this, this new k configurator, the imagery that comes off it is so good that if we've ordered a car for stock, we will use the imagery off the configurator to show to, to, before the car arrives, say this is the car that's coming. It is that good. And but it is just... dangerous. <laughs>
0: And it shows the car um, in 360. It doesn't just show a profile, a profile front and rear. You can move. You can around see, you can see the car. shadow.
1: And my open, people are bored of me talking about this because I'm obsessed with it. I. I um, but but you but you look down the bonnet of a Caterham. It's the same with the Morgans, to be fair. That when they imprint, effectively, when they're, they're putting the louvers into the bonnet, as they're putting the louvers in. Of course it's an aluminium panel so what it will do is ever so slightly deform the aluminium round the louvre so you will see um, breaks in the light you'll see slight indentation around the louvre um, it picks it up the configurator is so good that it picks up those little imperfections in the light you can see the flick of the metallic paint and my favorite tool with it so as you're your car with a customer and they're looking at it and uh, I they're thinking oh that's pretty that's pretty special as you sit back you leave it 30 seconds and it goes into a beautiful 3D flyover of the car. It zooms in. It And you can see people just sitting there just bowled over. I think the really, really clever thing about that for me is that uh, I had a great example yesterday. I had a customer come in to specify his new car. One of Britain's
0: uh, greatest Olympians. Maybe
1: one of uh, Britain's greatest Olympians. We should
0: mention Sir Chris Hoyt. He is one of a, How many gold medals did he win? Was it five uh, or 300. Something? I think
1: it might be six. I yeah. don't know. He, he, he's he won more medals than he has K from races. I hope he's listening to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, Chris is a, Chris is a really, uh, a really big... Um, advocate for Caterham he's been uh he's, he's been racing for the past three years now with Caterham um he's been a customer of ours a long time and we made the intro to Caterham and I think we were, uh, we're fairly
0: fairly chuffed think he is too that we, we we did that but uh, so what does what does a guy like Sir Chris who's as you say been racing I think a lot of people know of his interest in motor racing and his ability yeah. as a as a as a racing driver what does he spec in a road car what's what's he looking for I think you can tell us. I, I think
1: I think realistically, again, it's um, Chris is very much into um, into his race car. He obviously loves it, and his Caterham road car pretty much emanates that. It's a very very similar car, if I'm honest with you. Um, the race car is specifically for racing. It is what it is. It needs to be. It needs to be tweaked. It needs to be set up and, and what have you. Uh, but again, Chris is a, a, a very keen Caterham driver, just like. Uh, so just like most of us, he likes to do the, he likes to do track days. We've done quite a few track days altogether, uh, and he is a very very accomplished driver to be fair. But uh, so what's he, he looking for? What's he specking in the car? Has he gone for the biggest engine? Probably not. Uh, uh, no, and, and interestingly, Chris has had a, ver- a number of different K engines over the years, um, and the the one he had last time was the, the top of the range six twenty. Um, he's actually now um, spec slightly to a four twenty without the supercharger, that's, and there's a reason for that.
0: That's I mean, six twenty. It was, is
1: not. Well, you drove it, think, last year, didn't you? And uh, you had a full head of hair when you when you set off on the drive, from what I recall. Um, that was
0: such a great. That was such a great day. But that was that's one of the reasons that I love Altmaier and, and what you do because. We just went out for the afternoon, the three of us, in three cases, three different cases, so you can see the, the the real difference that we've got within the range. Yeah,
1: and I think that that that's true. You know what? The the fastest isn't necessarily always the best for that person. Realistically, as we all know, on the roads nowadays, it's uh, it's difficult to. Uh, it's uh, it's difficult not to misbehave when you're in a really really fast car. What's the
0: what's the price range there with kits and where are we starting and where are we finishing? It's fairly high up the food chain where we're finishing these it days. Is. Isn't it is so realistically to get into a cage you look at around
1: twenty seven thousand pounds for a brand new car. Um, if you started with a with a, effectively with a kit or components you can finish building the car yourself and anybody can do because even I did it. Um, ranging up to a top of the range six twenty SV, so the wide the bigger chassis car. Um, with all the bits and pieces on it, you can be, you can be talking to well over £60,000 if you want to tick every single option box. Because, like everything, Cato realise that, that some people want to really personalise the car. So we can now, you can have the, if you really want it, you can have the, the chassis powder-coated in a different colour. You can have the headlight bolts in a different colour. You can have the, um, the engine cover in a different colour. You can have different colour leather. You can have different colour roll-bar padding. You can,
0: will, in a way. It's going full circle back to when Colin Chapman came up with a Lotus 7. And the vast majority of people that bought a Lotus 7 from Lotus Cars would have built the car themselves. Yep. And so inevitably would have personalised the car to to fit them and to suit them because they built it. Absolutely. No, I think we we see that even with the people who, again...
1: Unfortunately, we're also time-conscious, we're also time-precious with the, with everything going on. People do seem to have less time to do these things. But the beauty, even with the catering that you're speccing to be built from factory, is you can be heavily involved in the specification of it, and you can really make it very individual and personalised to you. As I say, I said it with Morgan, exactly the same thing applies with catering. I don't think we've ever spec for two customers a car that is exactly the same it would pretty much be impossible to be fair there are so many different choices got to ask you about that blue noble outside <laughs> is it an m12 so yeah so it's um it's an m12 it's one of the to be fair, i think it's one of the first uk first 20 uk cars they're originally um a two and a half litre um it was a, a two and a half litre ford engine but with a with twin garrett turbochargers on them um producing 300 Three hundred and twenty brake horsepower, somewhere in the, in that region, depending upon the spec. And people played with them. To be fair, from almost out of the box, um, they kept developing. They then went to a three liter bigger turbochargers, and culminating in the M four hundred that was over four hundred brake horsepower. What mm. happened um, to Noble? What happened to Noble? Yeah. Well, the business, the company the company still exists, but again, I think the the trading advantage and the the, the glory days of Noble were when they were building the cars in South Africa and. I think, to be quite frankly, the the labour and the exchange rate all kind of worked in their favour, and that, unfortunately, it was fairly short-lived. That I but enjoy, I enjoyed driving them.
0: Every them,
1: they are mega. I mean, we were we were a noble dealer for a long time back in the day, um, and they were just at the time. I remember that there was nothing, uh, there was there was nothing that touched them. I had a we had a, an M four hundred, a pearlescent black one, as a demonstrator. And I remember, we were doing a track day at Alton Park, and I lived the furthest away from work, and at the time. Uh, it was agreed that I'd be the one to put some miles on it because we needed to do a running in service before we took it on track, so I had to slum it for two weeks uh, commuting uh, commuting sort of forty miles a day in a noble. It was horrendous, not <laughs> but the the love the noise the the, the the sheer kind of stature of the car I still I think even now you look at you look at them now well.
0: And they still look mega. He still looks a really special thing. There, there is proper recognition of the talents of many of the greats of the British automotive industry, whether it's Isigonis or Chapman or Peter Stevens or Ian Callum. The one outside, why is it so pristine? Why is it so immaculate? Uh, They're real drivers' cars. I would imagine a lot of them got that, heavy use. Uh, uh, that one,
1: ridiculously, actually belonged, as I understand it. Again, it, we've traced a little bit of its history back. So that one came in part exchange, I think, for a brand-new Lotus Exige. Um, so from one crazy quick car to another one, but it came in part exchange. And the guy who'd owned it originally had actually worked in the Noble Trim Shop. So he was, <laughs> it, was his own, it was his own baby, so it had very much been mollycoddled from, from, from birth. Um, the next guy who had it is the guy who sold it to us. Um, he's done everything to it, so it's gone back to a lot of the people who, who were involved in Noble originally. Who might not still be there um, have set up branch off companies. That has always been looked after in in, 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 in it's impeccable order. The really unusual thing about that car, which we know is it's never been on a track, that wow. tells you something. And um, again, um, that's, dare I say it, a lot of they are so quick. The ones that have been on track. Usually, at some point, we'll, uh, we'll leave come, the track. We'll leave the track, <laughs> come a cropper, and they—they're um, uh, not necessarily the cheapest or easiest things to to fix. That one um, won't hang around here, will it? Uh, no, uh, well, again, that one's been so specially—it's it ha- had so much done to it. It's a very, very special car, that. So, it's probably that one's roundabout to have a lot of the M400 modifications done on it. Um, it's probably closer to 380, 390 brake horsepower that car as it sits there. I think the big thing with Nobles that um, again, we always we probably only we'll probably only advertise, we'll probably only sell um one out of six or seven we get offered simply because it can look very pretty on the outside, but you've really got to know what you're looking for underneath. So, again, making sure that the chassis is. Uh, a, a solid and a rock free because that was if anything any, any anything was its achilles heel it 's a chassis not being looked after properly, so again that's that 's one one thing we really look for, but yes, to find one as nice as that is very very unusual i 'm quite hoping i hope we don 't sell it too quickly because i like to for old times' sake, go home in it just once to uh, remind myself what we 're missing with them, but no noble do still exist, albeit they they moved into a into a very different sphere when we were selling. Noble, um, Noble M12s back in the day at fifty, sixty, seventy thousand pounds. I think the very latest Nobles are closer to three hundred thousand pounds. They're in wow. real hyper, you know, supercar territory. Yeah, um, and I think they're sold in small, small number. If, if I'm honest, compared to we were selling them in, in good numbers back in the day. We were probably, we as a dealership, were probably selling. Ten to twelve of them a year, which is a reasonable number for something
0: as as low volume. But have Lotus not taken their customer, the customer for the for the Noble? What fifteen years ago is now a Lotus buyer? Yeah.
1: Well, I think um, I think Noble couldn't maintain the price the the, the price point they were at, and um, I still genuinely think that Lotus do fit in a in a in a different position. Um, in the, I think the Noble very much for me wouldn't be a car I could use every day. Um, I've got to be honest. People think I'm mad, but I would quite happily drive a Lotus Exige every day. They are actually watertight. They're dead comfortable. Um, whilst they are, uh, well, whilst they are what they are, they're, they're, they're firm and, and what have you. But it is a car that I could drive every. That you could drive every day with Toyota engineering and, and what have you. The Noble Darracq is a little bit more of a speciality car. I'm not going to fragile's not the word I'm going to use, but it's probably not a car I would be driving every day. And I think to be fair with the with the values only going upwards for them, um, you know, it's probably a wise thing to try and keep the miles off them a little bit. If they were
0: Italian, <laughs> there'd be nothing left of it. If it was Italian. No, no, <laughs> but, no but they they'd be lauded. Yeah. You know, if there was this hand-built supercar baiting machine. Yeah. Made in low numbers, a pure driving machine with nothing between you and the sensation of driving, but it was made in Italy instead of <laughs> England. It we, sounds a lot more romantic, doesn't it, these, of course? That's the thing. Our car makers don't get the credit. <laughs> no, and, uh, our car makers don't get the credit. Lo- think, Lotus, Morgan, Caterham, Noble. Four, four car makers with a highly individual vision um, of what driving should be. And with an absolutely fanatical fan base. Not for everybody like no, you, no, no, absolutely, not. But the people who love them absolutely adore, adore them, them absolutely. for what they are. Yeah. And yet, outside of the UK, I think typ- don't get the credit. I think typically as
1: Brits, we always seem to be particularly hard on ourselves. And, you know, we're, 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 we're trying to get over the uh, people walking and asking me, oh, have they still got wooden chassis when they're talking about the Morgans? Or loads of trouble usually serious when they're about loads? You know, all these stupid stories going back donkey's years none of which to be fair back in the day they're a very different thing i think re- realistically but, but we never seem to forget that we never seem to forget the negative press we don't um we don't i don't think we focus enough on the positive and do um realistically we need to put our cars under the noses of people who don't know about them brand awareness getting people who've got the porsche when they're popping in to press me to get their loaf of bread or the milk. To see a bright green Lotus Evora 410 mm. that will knock absolute, not the spots from a drivability point of view off and, off, and I honestly mean it, off anything else that's, uh, that's out there. We need to get those people to see the cars, understand they exist, and drive them. Because I think, you said, as you said before, we as Brits don't shout out enough about what we're great at. And we're, we're great at building British, we are great at building sports cars, but it's the best kept secret.
0: You're listening to Steve's Speed Shop, brought to you by Warranty Wise. The NEC Classic Show is the big one here in the UK. I look forward to it every year, not just for the cars, but for the people. But there aren't too many people there like Larry Horton from Lamb Engineering. For starters, he's not really a car guy. He specialises in precision engineering and builds some ingenious propellers for the marine industry. Um, he also builds world-class custom motorcycles. He's built a car it's almost as interesting as he is I really enjoyed talking to him here's the interview so so what is this I think I first saw this at, um, at Bicester Heritage it was just popping its nose it's very uh, well formed nose at one of the garages there and I noticed the, the ram on the front yeah, yeah. and I thought whose symbol is that but it's your symbol isn't it Lamb Engineering um, yeah it, it was done by a guy called Gareth Knowles um,
2: he's a fairly famous sculptor, he makes no money, but he's, he's, he's um, quite well known in the, in the sculptor world. Um, he, he did it in clay first, made it in clay, he's a friend of mine. Um, then we um, made a silicon mould um, from that. in uh, the silicon mould had to go wild because the, the clay gets destroyed, and that was probably, I don't know, 10 days' work. And then um, we took a wax model, and then we got it investment cast. Um, and it came out first time, which is unusual in casting. So um, it's, it's sat on the front of the car. Uh, and it, it, well, it was the last bit, really. It finished it off. So, uh.
0: I always find myself, almost inevitably, on these shows that I do, opening myself up to potential embarrassment by trying to estimate the style or the period or the genre of car that I'm looking at. And I'm looking at this one, and just because... We're on the radio. I'm going to say that it's like a, a single-seater Indy racer or something like yeah, that, yeah. but with strong hot rod yeah. styling elements. Yeah.
2: Would that be kind of right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I'm not saying it's easy to do a, a replica, but um, I wouldn't want to do a replica because it. I, I like to I like to go my own own path, but maybe. Um, use the history of, of, of motorcycling or
0: well i was going to say you're a motorcycle or, man like me yeah, and there's yeah. there's a bike just off to our right that we're going to talk about in a second so you were telling me i'm not really a, a car guy but this is an amazing machine single seater it's got a lot of chassis uh, wire wheels and the engine it's i can see i yeah, can it's see it's st- speedo it is it a, is it a v6 i'm sorry is it a V6? I see no, three. No, no, no. I see three no, pipes coming out uh, of the um, side. It's,
2: it's a the, um, um, Ford flathead V8. Uh, it was. Um, it's probably the most expensive horsepower you can buy for your money. It's uh, a <laughs> side valve. Um, it's been bored. It's been stroked. It's been everything you can probably do. To Why a can end. I
0: only see three pipes coming out of the side um, of, the, of the, the engine?
2: Siamese. The middle, the middle ones are Siamese. Ah. Um, hence, hence, you don't get a lot of power. <laughs> but even so, that was. Um, 20,000 plus to build that engine and I it's probably see- 170 horsepower so
0: wow I can see what looks like Offenhauser heads on it yeah yeah and do you know what when I look closer Larry I can see that it says V8 on <laughs> It does oh, say, and, and actually, yeah. the
2: bronze mask in the front's got V8
0: on it. All right, there's no uh, need to run. it off. You've been the front yet, I but, can um, see three pipes coming out. Yeah. To, well, I was well, going to well, say. Actually, not the first one to get
2: it wrong. Everyone's got it wrong, so except people know flatheads, and I don't, but I've, a lot of people <laughs> do. I've I've been told so much about flatheads today that I probably know
0: more than I did um, a week ago. But um. so, how much of it was done by you guys? Was it done as a is it kind of an advertisement for lamb engineering? Is it, cause it's a real eye catcher. So many people, you're in a great spot at this show, by the way, as well. So much footfall, as we'd say, we're in the retail industry. Loads of people noticing it. Did you build it to get people to notice the fact that you also build fantastic custom motorcycles?
2: Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, actually, I, I built these things because I get bored making washers, and that is the truth. I cannot, I find it very, very hard to do day in, day out work. I, I got one of those sort of weird, strange brains that um, is always thinking I can't, you know, I'll wake up three in the morning and get an idea I always say I'm um, one patent away from bankruptcy which is probably true I've only ever had one thing that's been successful um, and <laughs> what was that if you don't mind me asking the propellers and, 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 and often I know it's not the engineering skills it's, um, it, it's the, the selling skills the marketing and engineers aren't very good at marketing, I'm afraid. No,
0: the history of the automotive industry, whether it's on two wheels or four wheels, is scattered with the broken uh, the broken minds and bodies of great men who could achieve fantastic things with their mind when it came to engineering, but could not give the stuff away. I mean, it just is, isn't it?
2: Well, Harry, Harry Miller himself, I mean, he died a fairly young man for that same reason, really. Um, Idea after idea. He went bankrupt a couple
0: of times. Well, I was reading about Um, Freeze Green last night. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's one of the the pioneers of the moving picture, and particularly in colour. And he was a a British man. He was born in London, I think, died in Brighton, in poverty. And basically the guy who most people now consider to have invented colour moving pictures died in poverty so there's something about the the mind of an inventor or an engineer
2: to to, to invention I'm afraid Um, my wife actually I probably am quite insane I'm not going to even argue with her I I I I think a a lot of people like to like to create but I like to and a lot of other people do create differently Um, it's so easy these days to go on YouTube um, look at something copy it um, end up with something really really nice but to actually make something which is different is not so easy because it's been done so many times before
0: Well I was looking at those guys Persang who were based in Argentina and they build replicas, let's not say a copy they build replicas of classic Bugattis which are virtually indistinguishable yeah. from yeah. the real thing and I like you can see the skill and the ability but I think what you've done here which is to take inspiration from that era and use a degree of the engineering. We've got wire wheels. I don't know if I can see hidden disc brakes in there. I assume we're on, we're on big drums. Oh, I see a huge, and, so yeah, cool, great big mate. drum. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, you've taken inspiration from that era, but you've not blindly copied what they've did. What improvements did you have to make to, me- to make this, this car? It's single-seater, it's open. Like I say, it's reminiscent of the sort of single-seater IndyCar uh, racers built by people like Offenhauser and Miller and people like that. What else did you put in that just makes it a bit more drivable?
2: Um, I mean, the car is very drivable. Probably what makes it um, a lot more drivable maybe in the car then is is the brakes, the,
0: the, the really big drums. Um, and they look and they, like... With respect, and please don't take this the wrong way, they look like you made them rather than you salvaged them off a fire truck or something. Yeah, you got yeah, them off yeah, a big commercial yeah, vehicle of that era.
2: Yeah, yeah, the brakes were made. They use um, um, Ford Transit shoes. Uh, I think they are about 12-inch. So, so the bigger shoes I could find, basically. Um, but I, th- I think in those days, I mean, when you was racing on a track, you didn't need brakes anywhere. I mean, this car is on the road. Um, so brakes are fairly important. And, and, and another thing which makes it really driveable is the, um, is the gearbox, it's a modern gearbox, a T5 gearbox. So five-speed gearbox, I can be doing 70 and, and probably ticking over at 1,000 RPM. So it's probably really good on-field as well.
0: Um, We're indoors at the biggest indoor classic car show in the UK at the NEC, which is quite rightly in Birmingham, because of course the West Midlands was the heartland of the British car and motorcycle industry. It'd be wrong if this show was in London, it's in Birmingham where it should be we can't fire it up but i would imagine is there any form is there any form of noise suppression because all i can see is is basically stubby short is coming out of the side of the engine only a few inches
2: it, it, it would be so wrong to put any silencers on it the, the sound is absolutely marvelous and not only that i um a post and it's not the cars the motorcycles <laughs> um so I, I don't worry about it i mean if you're going to worry about noise, you know, you don't need a car like this anyway. Or so, a bike.
0: So how do you, can I ask you, you can, you can uh, tell me as much or as little about this as you care to, how do you get round um, sort of single-use approval and MLT and stuff like that? Because I can see, for starters, uh, the wheels aren't enclosed at all, you've got no noise suppression, uh, there's no seat seatbelts. <laughs> is there a part of a car here from a period where you didn't have to have those things?
2: i can have to abstain your <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because it, it is tricky. I mean, the thing—the thing is, what, what I'm saying is, what a lot of people would do, what a lot of hot rodders would do here in the UK, is that incorporate a piece of chassis, a, along, probably a,
2: along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah a yeah.
0: piece of the chassis that belongs to a Humber or a Singer or an old Ford it, from yeah, the 20s or 30s, that. and then build onto that, yes, and yes, so get away without having to have all kinds of horrible stuff like mudguards and I, I a windscreen.
2: I honestly think. um you're sensible about a lot of things. I mean, I mean, you can look at hot, hot loads all over the country, a lot of cars, a lot of motorcycles, and you you often say that they're illegal. Anyone would know that. Um, the police know that. But as long as, as, long as you drive responsibly um, and you, you don't annoy other people, um, and you're, and you're, if, if the law cut down or, or clamped down on what thousands and thousands of people do, namely hot rods, that type of thing, um, it'd be sacrilege. It, well, it, it's, it's, it's one of those grey areas, it? and I can honestly say I've been riding motorcycles, custom motorcycles, building them for 20 years, and I've never been stopped once, and nearly every cop I ever meet puts his hand up. Well, I'm from
0: Manchester, and basically the police have got their hands full with uh, stolen scooters and motorcycles being ridden three up by what are known as Scallies in our part of the world. So they've they've got enough trouble with them lot. So they tend to avoid a middle-aged man on a a custom bike that might be a little bit on the outside. So we've got a 170-horsepower flathead V8. Ford?
2: Yeah, yeah, Ford. Ford flathead, it's... It's probably a late... As I say, I'm not an engine man particularly, but it's um, almost certainly a block out of a um, French military gun from the 60s because the blocks are very, very thick, so you can bore them out larger than an earlier block. Um, you, can, you can do so much more to them. And this is probably about four and a half litres. Um, got a longer stroke bigger bore like i say different cams
0: like you say though flathead horsepower is the most expensive horsepower yeah, you can yeah. buy
2: but it's also probably one of the nicest engines as well the, the, the sound from a flathead is, is it's a bit like an old airplane really you know if you listening to an old airplane engine you would know it was old and it sounds with a flathead really and to be honest 170 horsepower would have been probably right for the day of this car really
0: um, so what sort of carburetion is it, is it running?
2: It's um, got twin um, zeniths. Um, and, and again, I, you know, my, my idea was to put three on there, but um, the, the company that built the engine was a company called Royal, Royal Custom. World Customs. They're well-known for flatheads. He said put
0: two on it, you know. There are so many people, and I, I understand why, because it looks great. They'll yeah, put yeah. like a six-pack. They'll, <laughs> they'll put as many carburetors as the engine allows. Listen, you're talking to the guy. Who put a 34mm mag body Del on an 80cc scooter? Yeah,
2: <laughs> same f- sort of thing I would do actually.
0: It, the machine would lean over to one side on the stand because the carburetor <laughs> <the cabretters laughs> stuck out so much. Guess what? It was overcarburated. So you haven't stuck, what would it have been originally? A two speed or a three speed? Um, would.
2: Th- well, it would have certainly been a three speed. I'm almost certainly a three speed. Uh, maybe on the tracks it might have even been a single speed. I don't know. Maybe they'd have got it running, rolling, and then just gone from there. But well, yeah, they just got them rolling, didn't they? I'm not for sure about that? But um, it, would have been, it would have been no more than a three-speed for sure.
0: But you've put a five-speed box out of—is uh, it Ford or VW? Uh, uh, um, it's
2: a. I think it's a. It's not a T. It's not a T5 Volkswagen. It's a oh, T5 it? Borg Warner. I think it is. Right. Again, um, I was advised from um, world customs on that because. I don't know what a gearbox is to be honest. Well, I know what a gearbox is, but, <laughs> but it's a, a gearbox is a gearbox to me. So. Well,
0: it's a fantastic-looking machine, and it's certainly caught uh, a lot of people's attention here, especially when there are so many amazing cars to look at. Let's move on to ground that you and I are both happier on, the motorcycle that sat next yeah. to it, um, the Circus of Speed. And is that Malcolm Campbell?
2: Yeah. Um, on this side, um on, on, on the far side Malcolm Campbell, and on this side is um, Burt Road. So, I mean, basically, they're both speed freaks, really, which probably most people in in this show are speed freaks. They're all interested in speed, Pendine, all that sort of stuff, Bonneville. That, again, is a celebration of, of speed, but taking modern and old, I mean, it'd be easy just to put an old engine in that, but... At the end of the day, people think it's an old bike, you know? Um, yes, yeah,
0: so you've used, uh, I built um, a cafe racer using it, the last of the carbureted Hinkley twins, which I think was 2006, 2007, because I wanted to keep carburetors on it. I think Triumph do an amazing job, better than that anybody will. else, even yeah. Ducati, even Moto Guzzi, of, and even Harley, of making their new bikes look like their old bikes. The new Thruxton is a fantastic looking machine, hard to improve on. Um, so, what year? I see that it's an Angley Triumph engine, but what year?
2: Um, actually, just going, on, going back to that point you just said, um, one of the reasons I started building the car, I think Triumph are doing such a good job, and don't forget I've been doing custom box for 20 years, doing such a good job in the custom world that I'm thinking, I can't do no better than that. They are absolutely fantastic.
0: A mate of mine has just bought one of those Thruxton 1200s, and he I've known him for 35 years. And he has modified every single motorcycle he's owned, and he's owned a lot of bikes, mainly European bikes, Guzzies, Harleys, Triumphs. I say Harley's European, but you know what I mean, not Japanese. Um, He said, I'm not going to touch this thing, I'm leaving it exactly as it is.
2: Um, Actually, um, going back to that engine, that engine's a 2010 um, fuel injected uh, but we put it back to carbs I was going to say <laughs> they look like
0: carburetors um, and it
2: wasn't easy actually. well it was it was easy enough but the only problem was um, to do the timing you've got to take the case off and then you take the case of what it comes out so we had to guess the timing uh, take the case off run it um, try to figure out how far it was that move it a little bit do it again until we got to the right point you know it would have been easy to make a maybe make a dummy case so we could have set the timing but it runs superb it runs I, I mean, I don't like fuel injection particularly. Saying that, though, um, it's great often because you can get a bike to run and modify it. You know, you can take the exhaust off often. You can do lots to the engine without having to worry about dynoing it and things like that.
0: Well, let's talk about the the frame and the the swinging arm and the forks. Is is that all your work?
2: Yeah. Um, I always get carried away. That's the problem. <laughs> the, the bike actually was was actually right off. Um, so the. The rear wheel is the front wheel off the, the smash up. Right. Um, so I tried to use all the, all the bits, it, and it was a low mileage, so the engine was really good condition anyway.
0: Um, yeah, but there's there's far fewer spokes in those wheels than there would have been
2: on the on the original bike, isn't there? Um, no, no, not on. Well, I don't know, but that's the front wheel
0: from the it's smash the up. It's the stock bike. front wheel. Stock front It looks wheel. great on the back. Well, it it yeah. looks really period.
2: Well, well, I just t- well, look. At, I'm not lucky, but I, I got so many bits of rubbish up top. So I just go and find out what's going to be what, and put it on. See if it's going to work. The the, the front one is a an eBay wheel, but I don't. I wouldn't
0: know. What don't know what it is. No, not true. <laughs> the disc just like it, the look of the it. The
2: disc is a real small. Um, it's. It, they said it's off a drag bike, but I, I, all I do know is it doesn't work very well. That's what I do know. Because <laughs> um, what have you got there? About 100 horsepower from that motor? Uh, yeah, probably 18, 90, I don't know. But yeah, um, enough. Enough, for, yeah. It's
0: plenty, a- isn't it? A-
2: actually, the bike rides brilliantly, believe it or not. It's really nice. And when you get on it, it's, you actually feel like you're riding a 1920s bike.
0: I love twenties bikes.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah.
0: Can't afford one, uh, yeah. but I love them. But you, the thing about a twenties bike is you've got to. Um, I'm trying to think of the first bike that really felt that I rode that felt like a modern motorcycle. And I think it's a Triumph Speed Twin, and maybe the BMWs of that era, an original Triumph Speed Twin. It felt like, it felt like you could make, you could change your mind. Do, do you know what I mean? It was the first bike where you could say no, I'm going to go in that direction or I'm going to stop. I'm, whereas bikes before that, it's almost like you had to give them a few, no matter what it was, no matter how big the engine, you had to give it notice before you did anything, before you changed gear, before you changed direction. And 20s bikes are great as long as you don't try and ride them like modern motorcycles because if you do, you will come on stock.
2: Yeah, yeah I tend to agree with that. But I, I think um, like we're Triumph have been really smart, and I think a lot of manufacturers are... Have been trying to sort of follow suit is um, you don't need power anymore for the modern I mean I mean I, I, you know I, I, I was um, kind of I'm licensed at 17 and it was all about power 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 we used to be always going like 150 160 or flat out on a bit of road you know but now you know that if you do that you're going to end up locked away <laughs> um, so, so the, other is, like the other thing is here's the
0: other thing as well people film themselves doing it why do they do know, that I know, I know. do you know what i've never had i've had loads of cameras on me and the reason i've had cameras on the side of my helmet or on the bike or strapped to my person is because we were making a tv show i'm not wearing a camera when i'm riding from a, i'm not ending up with somebody going could we see the footage please
2: oh, yeah. <laughs> oh there you well, are if, mr if you, <laughs> accident, if you have an accident i mean they're probably not like to see that but if you have an accident or, or daft enough what like some people do is put it on youtube You know, people are stupid, aren't they? I'll
0: tell you what I did about 10 years ago. Like you, I had always wanted whatever was the fastest. I'd had FZR 1000s, Blackbirds, Hybusas, a couple of VMAXs. Whatever was an MV Augusta Brutale, whatever was 140 horsepower plus, which isn't that much these days, I wanted it. I'd been manned twice, once for a year, once for six months. I got a phone, I got a visit from the police... Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'll deny this. It was a long. It was quite a while ago. It's ten years ago. And they said I had a blackbird at the time. And the policeman said, you
2: "Still talking about bugs now? I take it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: you watch it. We can't talk. That'll be edited out. That bit. <laughs> um, I got somebody tipped me the wink, as we say, uh, or we used to say. And they said you've been clocked on the empty motorway at half past five in the morning in excess of 150 miles an hour every morning tomorrow they're going to be waiting for you the motorway was deserted it was half past five in the morning i was doing a breakfast radio show in central manchester coming down from the hills in the north empty motorway and i was winging down there every morning on the blackbird on the saturday i traded that Honda blackbird which when it was new was the fastest motorcycle in the world for a kawasaki w650 which was a better copy of a triumph bonneville than the bike that triumph were making at the time You've got to self-police. You've got to self-police these days. You've got to self-police. If you've got a bike that whizzes up like that, Blackbird did to 150 miles an hour, like it's nothing. That bike had another 50 miles an hour left in it. You will, you will end up, as you said, having your license taken away for you. And get this, quite possibly, put in jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, people are getting jail time. So it's all over all that nonsense. What I think you've got to do is what you've done you 've got to make the perception of speed that much greater, and by going back and looking well what did they, what did the what did they do in the 30's what did they do in the twenties? I mean, I would imagine you're driving this car, no windscreens, no fenders, open car open no no exhaust <laughs> bet eighty miles an hour feels like you're about to take off
2: yeah. well I think that's it really like, like the perception of speed allows might sound strange to say. It, isn't from speed itself like you like like if you if you got like a honda blackbird and I've, I've, I've had a go on a honda blackbird um it becomes a video game you, 150 you've,
0: you've got, is nothing
2: it feels like nothing and, and, and you need you, you feel like you, you feel it starts to feel like a game and it, and it can get really really dangerous but if you if you're sat in a car with with no windscreen or a bike with no no fairing um you got the wind and in, in what makes biking even better? It, like, when you get an old bike and you've got no brakes, it might saying silly. You've got brakes that don't work very well. It don't change gear very well. It don't handle very well. And you've got two, or three people on them. And, and the first thing you've got to do, you've got to, if you want to, if you're having a race that's say seventy miles an hour, which isn't so bad you've got to keep up your, your speed so you've got to plan your overtakings. no good braking, accelerate I'll you tell you accelerate. something,
0: one of the best and, and here's the thing, right, I understand if you're a young man, you have to arrive at the position that me and Larry have arrived at and I understand that you want that Kawasaki and you want the new Fireblade and, and we totally understand why you want to ride those bikes if you, if you survive the, those bikes, at the end of your journey are old guzzies BMWs vincent's old norton's old stuff The old douglas a douglas
2: yeah i don't even like him <laughs> how old uh, 1954 and the reason i bought it, actually
0: um, the douglas modified, by the way can, can, we, can we just the douglas by the way is the bike that bmw totally copied a horizontally opposed twin with shaft drive to the rear wheel seen that before you yeah, know i think we all have bmw copied that from douglas of bristol well
2: Back in the summer a friend of mine arrived and we did a little um, um, music show and I, I was very drunk the next day so it might be even worse than I thought it was but I drove it around the field. <laughs> and it, and so it, you it, bought it while it, drunk? No, no, I, I, bought, I bought another one, it's was for sale but, I, 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 but the reason I bought it actually was just what you said, it was the um, like the rear, rear suspensions um, like torsion bar yeah. but like a Morris Minor, the front forks um, is a real strange type of leading link. And, and, and there was so many quirky engineering ideas which I thought were really good, and they were really known to handle nice. And I and I thought, that's a really well engineered, but it's only a 350, it's not fast. But I thought, do you know what, that's different. Um, mm. I'm, 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 I'm gonna look out for one, and one came up on eBay, and it is absolutely stunning, and the price was good. So, you know, I won't lose money on it, which is one of the good things.
0: Hopefully so, will, I, it, will that be something? Don't wh- wh- it away from board, don't <laughs> Too late now, mate. You were telling me about these Triumph engines. Tell me, tell us about that.
2: Yeah, the Triumph engines. Um, we built a um, pre-unit Triumph for a friend of mine back in I don't know, well last year. Um, yeah, I just kept looking for what a pretty little motor, you know, mm. simple fifties, um, but I mean the design you went into the unit, that sort of thing. Um, and I've got a '64 Triumph myself, a TR6, and I love it. And I, and I wasn't even a British fan in the early days because. It was the 70s, and it was Japanese, all that sort of stuff. But, I, but I, bought that, I bought the TR6 about 10 years ago, and it starts all, every time. It's reliable; it doesn't recoil. Um, and we're doing the, we're going to do the um, AMD World Championships next year in Cologne. Right. Um, which I, I, I tend to do most times anyway. Um, so I thought I'm going to build a nice, real nice, pretty CNC polished engine or we've called five actually we've got two customers for the bikes one for me one for tony tony does it over there um and, and just in fact again it's about british engineering really, mm. really that's what i'm passionate
0: about yeah british. but here's the thing so so many we use it like i said to you i was i was in a, a 28 bentley and we went on a we, we drove about 70 miles not flat out but we overtook nothing past us and we passed a lot of things W.O. Bentley, even though he made his cars to last, I don't think he would have realised that in 90 years' time, four people would be travelling at three-figure speeds on the open highway. You know, but the problem is, you can replace things like comrods and and bearings and stuff like that, but cranks and and cases and stuff like that, that, they've got to be remanufactured because they're they're just worn out or the metal's become porous or it's just failed with age.
2: Well, um... Going back to those Triumphs, I um, I was going to use the standard crankshaft, uh, this 360 degree crankshaft, but the more I got into it, I, I mean, again, you, you, it's, it's only hearsay, but um, in the modern Triumphs use a 270 degree crank, so I've now started making my own cranks out of EN40 um, of steel, so we're getting nitrided, and it's all about being smooth, so then we're going to have to make our 270 degree cams, so basically it would be a completely new engine, and, 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 I, and someone would say to me, well, what are you doing now? And I, and I, and I could probably say, I don't know. But and I, I, I do know in a way, because I want to, you know? And they probably be too expensive to buy. But A, it keeps, I've got th- three young lads who keep them really, really interested. And one, one of the lads, he, he could go and work for any company in, in the country, in the world, probably. He's top, top lad, like, can do anything. And the only way I'm going to keep him is to keep him interested in motorsport because that's what his thing is. So obviously he loves what I do, um, and he's he's bought because we're we all old, old buggers in our place. We're not you know he, he he can do all the solid works or the computers. I I can do a soccer stamp, but nothing like he can. And he can he can he can draw. He can. I get an idea and I can see my ideas in my head I'm quite fortunate there but um, I, Jordan can you just draw this can you just do this I go yeah yeah that's what I want or, or, or not and then he can modify it a bit and I can see it on the screen so I'm trying to bring in the old and new and, and maybe in, well hopefully next October I'm going to sort of semi-retire and and um, probably come into work every day and just build motorbikes again but I mean everybody
0: I know has got a small engineering company or a small motorsport concern or they restore cars or motorcycles or they build racing machinery and he's allegedly retired he's there at the shop virtually every single day annoying the hell out of the people that are supposed to be doing the work
2: oh yeah Um, I I mean to be honest we I've never actually done it for money I'm not a rich man but I, I do
0: I don't, know anybody, I don't know anybody who's been successful, who has done it for money. I think, and I've seen a lot of people come into this business thinking they were going to make money and lose a lot of money. There's, there's so much work. There's so much work in this. How do you work? You know, if you charge an actual hourly rate, like say you were a, a Ford main dealer or you you're in the selling commercial vans for Mercedes or Renault or something like that, if you did what they did and just charged an hourly rate... You'd have no customers.
2: No, no. Well, exactly. Um, and That's why we didn't have a customer for this, really. So, um, but but to, but you're, you're so right. I mean, I would love to build a car for, for a wealthy guy. I'm, I'm, you know, and we're really, really, you know, we, we would give them more than they're paying for. But the problem is, is it is it when you work to a budget, you end up maybe building a car to a budget. Like to me, people say, "How do you make so much so nice?" And I said, "It's dead easy." I have a scrap bin over there and I said, when there's something I don't like or Tony doesn't like or... Well, that's Tony, does all the sheet metal, right? I mean, the amount of things he throws away and I go, it's that wind coming on, Tony. Go in and skip and have a look, you know? Yeah. And it's the same with a lot of my stuff. You know, I go...
0: Well, this is it. this is it. I think one of the big things now is continuation cars, so there 's the Lister Nobly continuation. Jaguar did those XksS continuations. Aston Martin have just released the db4 GT Zagato continuation. Um, the Aston you have to buy that and the super Lagara. you pay six million pounds for the pair and people and it 's not even street legal by the way they 're not street legal. Well, I think the DBS might be street legal, but the db four isn 't street legal. So you're giving £3 million for a car that isn't street legal. But it's got an ascribed value. People have said, this car is worth £3 million, and then you take it from there. With a one-off like this, how on earth do you value it? I mean, I can see the work. I can see the work. Anybody can see the work that's gone into it. It's beautifully designed. It's beautifully made and crafted. It's a one-off. Would you not rather have something like this than something that other people have got? I think I would. Well, it's fantastic. The bike's beautiful. I look forward to can seeing. I, can, yeah.
2: Can I, ju- can I just show you the speedo a minute? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This what? is a this is a one-off. We're just going to move
0: around to the to look into the cockpit, yeah. and it's beautiful really? workmanship <laughs> <laughs> a
2: Nixie tube speedo. Uh, that's a Nixie tube speedo. The um, the tubes are from a Mig fighter from nineteen well fifties. And there's it's, it's a pickup on the gearbox. And in a, in a Nixie tube is basically. A, well, they it, look like has, valves on a, like on a radio a, valve. Yeah. But it's got filaments in there, 1 to 10.
0: Um, and they're out right of a MIG jet, yeah, MiG jet fighter. That is one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah. Well, that's it for another episode of Steve's Speed Up, brought to you. Warranty-wise, get the word out there. Tell your friends about it. See you next week.